Welcome to the Prosperous Piano Teacher Podcast. I'm Ashley Young, pianist, instructor, and business coach, and I'm here to help you dream big about what your studio could be if you are willing to open your mind and level up your business skills. I'm going to share the tangible strategies that I've learned for streamlining and scaling your studio so that you can align your business to work for your life instead of letting your business control your life. I am so happy that you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome into another episode of the Prosperous Piano Teacher Podcast. I'm Ashley, your host, and I am sitting here today looking at the wonderful Grace Lee of Grace Key Studio. I'm so excited that you are here with me, Grace. Can you say hello? Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yes, of course. And to you listening right now, I'm really excited to have Grace here on the podcast because Grace has her own studio and we're going to dive in and we're going to hear all about that. But the other thing that's really unique and interesting is that Grace is the creator of a sight reading app called NoteQuest. And I've been lucky enough to play around with this app a little bit. And it is, it's really fantastic what you've created, Grace. And I can't wait to dive in and to tell the teachers about it, not only because it's a fantastic tool for teaching, but also because on the business side of you know, having this creative idea for an app and then actually taking the steps to go through the creative process to create it, there's just going to be so much information that I know all of the listeners are going to find very interesting and very, very helpful. So thank you so much for being here today. It's really great to have you. Thanks again. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. Oh, and listeners, as we dive into this interview, I also want to let you know, we'll talk more about it later in the episode, um, but Grace does have something special for you that we'll talk about later in the episode um, in case you want to give her app a test try or in case you want to try it out. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later. So Grace, for starters, can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in music? What did your journey to becoming um, a pianist and an instructor look like? Yeah. So, you know, I started off as just really a piano instructor and I say just a piano instructor because that is a huge job and managing a studio and a business and in my case, a family. I mean, it's 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 big. Um, so I I've been teaching for 23 years. Um, I have both of my degrees in music and also music education. I'm just a little bit of background info. I'm in the Southern California area, but I have lived in like four regions across the West Coast um, after being raised in in Texas. So I've kind of moved around and and been in a lot of places. And um, what happened was uh, when we were in the Bay Area, we were new transplants there for my husband's job. And this is a little bit of the story of my life. We've moved quite a bit. And as you guys can imagine, if you're a piano teacher and you're moving every four to six years, it's not easy. You're, you're closing a studio. It's very sad in a lot of ways. And then you're opening up a new studio and trying to get more clients and more students. And so at a certain point, I was kind of like, gosh, I feel like I need some kind of a career or income stream that is a little more portable than what I've been doing. And um, so that was actually the secondary reason I came up with the app. The primary reason was it just came from a pain point that I was having with my students. Uh, I've By this time, I had already been teaching for almost 20 years. And, you know, you guys might be able to identify 
students who come in and they're so frustrated because they've been playing for a few years and they're still not able to read the music. And a lot of them are transfer students. I have my systematic approach, but not everybody comes into your studio with the same approach, right? So there are a wide variety of abilities and just comfort levels with sight reading. So then I started grabbing sight reading books, you know, the four-star sight reading books. I also went to the music store and got those colored flashcards. I was using those, but honestly, the results were very inconsistent at best, I'd say. And so then, uh, I guess this was around 2017, I started kind of thinking maybe there's an app for this. And so I started looking around in the app store and honestly, the results I found were pretty disappointing. And as someone who really cares about solid pedagogy in the teaching, in my teaching methods, uh, that what I did see was not really something that was up to par. And so then, you know, some, I just kind of bit the bullet and somehow I decided to get the guts and maybe try to design one myself. Um, as you guys has, have probably heard, a lot of great business ideas just start with a problem that you're trying to solve. And so that's how this started. I was just trying to solve a problem. Uh, a couple of the things that were sort of grounding principles for me um, in terms of teaching sight reading were landmark notes and the value of intravalic reading or reading across and not just individual notes. And so I wanted to incorporate that. And that's something that no other app had. And still to this day, I don't, I'm not aware of any other apps that really prioritize that. And so here we are six years later. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And we're going to dive into way more details about all of the things you just described. Um, but for listeners to know, Grace and I originally connected, you know, a little bit behind the scenes because I have a sight reading course and this is a sight reading app. And we found that, um, you know, your sight reading app, Grace, is for, it's beautifully designed, by the way, and I can't wait for everybody to go and take a look at it. But it's Thank for, you. you know, teachers to use with their students or for students to use at home during their practice. And my course is more for adults, but we took a similar approach. And I love what you said about you saw a problem and you set out to solve the problem because that's what it was for me with this sight reading course. Like all of the materials I had ever used there's some really good materials, but they just, there were aspects that were missing from them. And so I yes. kind of set out to, to create that. And that's really how all the good ideas start, right? Like I get my best ideas from working with students, from actually teaching and thinking, hmm, I wonder if there's a solution to this problem. Um, can you tell me exactly. a little bit more about what it was like? I know a lot of people have great ideas. And one of the things that I often see and that I often hear in conversations with coaching clients and also just conversations on social media is that people have amazing ideas. I think as, as pianists and piano instructors, we're all creatives, right? And I know that all the listeners of this podcast are such great teachers that really go the extra mile to help their students overcome their obstacles. But there's a big gap between having an idea and then actually taking that first step towards making that idea a reality. And I think that space is where a lot of people get stuck. Can, can you speak to what that space was like for you? Maybe like what the length of time was as well and just what it was like for you in that space. Because I know for me, it's a very up and down journey in that space. One day I believe anything is possible. The next day I'm like, this is impossible. So let's talk, talk about that. Yeah, Ashley, it really has been a, a tough journey. And uh, I would say that something like this is not for the faint of heart. Um, once I started, a couple of people who I knew who were already in the app space or in technology were saying, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, it's not that they didn't believe in me, but they just know how to 
tough it is to make it out there. Um, something like 99% of apps that get launched uh, don't make it beyond the first year. And so that was a little discouraging. And also on top of that, there aren't many women in this space. There's a lot of women in the piano teaching field, but I wasn't finding a lot of women in this space. So it, it definitely felt pretty risky and a little scary. Um, but I would say there's so many factors um, into seeing an app all the way through. And I would easily say that I experienced a lot more disappointment and a lot more failure than I experienced wins. And what I have is not some overnight success story. I'm still not even, I wouldn't even consider myself a success story. I'm still on that journey and I'm on that road. Um, but the approach that I take, and I think uh, when you look at the business mindset, you can approach a new uh, product or a, a launch in so many different ways. And I've seen other people in technology, in, in music ed, start different things. And then I've, I've seen them put go a blood, guns a-blazing. And then I've seen uh, them not make it in the long haul. And then I, I, I feel sad about it, but then I wonder, I wonder why some things stick and other things don't. And I think the approach that I took, and maybe it's because I'm a little less, uh, I'm a little more risk averse, is I decided to take the Lean Startup model. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the book, The Lean Startup, but a friend recommended that I read it and I did. And it the concept in the book is, you know, don't put all of your eggs in one basket when you're starting a new product. Do a small thing and give it a test run. And then from the test run, you're gonna learn a lot. You're gonna learn about what works, what's not working. And the big motto is test, test, test. So once you come out with something, I felt like it was really necessary to run it by some teachers that I really trust. So when you're starting something entrepreneurial, you should never be on an island. I, that's one thing that I learned. You should really run it by people that you really trust and you really respect. And so through that process and going to MTNA uh, conventions and different piano conventions, I kind of put it out there and I said, hey, what do you think? What do you think? And from that, I got a lot of feedback. So feedback is really, really important, I learned. Uh, it, it can be humbling because some of the things that you spend all your time doing, you learn, oh, well, maybe that's not quite the right approach. And so I've done a lot of tweaking along the way. But yeah, I would say that there were a lot of really discouraging moments. And I would say probably three or four times during the six years that the app has been alive, I almost gave up. I, I almost gave up several times. But it was just the situation where it, the app was taking off just enough and I was getting just enough interest and and right when I feel like giving up somehow serendipitously, a teacher would reach out on Instagram and say, your app is the best. It's really saved me. Thank you so much. So those, those were moments where I felt very uplifted and encouraged. And those are the moments that, you know, you just have to celebrate those little wins. And those are the moments that kept me going. Definitely. Oh my gosh. I love, there's so much gold in what you just said. I think it's really easy to look at someone's journey from the outside. You know, if someone were to just meet you and like, oh my gosh, you're this teacher and you have this successful app and it only took you six years, right? Like we always kind of <laughs> tend to, to, to look at someone and think that it just, they just got there. And when you really start to dig into people's journeys, I find that the stories like yours and, my, and mine are much more common. Like, 
anytime anyone is working towards something, it's not a perfect journey. And I think we have to be a little bit, maybe not skeptical, but I think it's always good to question the lens that the story is being told through. It's easy to see on social media that someone is doing something really cool that you want to be doing and to just kind of like idealize it in your head and Mm -hmm, think that, mm -hmm. you know, everything must have just worked out for them. But the thing that I always come back to and I heard a little bit of this in what you were saying, is this concept that really the only difference between where you are now and someone who is maybe further along the path than you are doing something that you want to do is that they have consistently shown up to keep doing it. And I like yeah. that you said, I think you said like four, three or four times you've wanted, you wanted to give up in that time period and that you do yeah. have to celebrate those wins. You have to do whatever it takes to really keep putting one foot in front of the other because if you have a big idea to like in your case to create an app or to create a course or to move all of your students online you know mm-hmm. you're going to encounter challenges that that is 100% a given and i think what sets people apart in getting closer to that goal is just the fact that like you said you just keep going and you keep working towards it even when it gets hard so i appreciate you speaking yeah. truth to that vulnerability sure and speaking of vulnerability i i was just thinking as you were t- speaking i think it takes c- c- sort of a interesting combination of both humility and confidence because you really have to have the confidence of really believing in your product or else all this all this is really for nothing right you have to really believe because that's what powers you to move on but you have to have the humility to ask people for honest feedback <laughs> so a great idea can be a great idea in your own mind but if other people don't think it's a great idea uh, then it's probably not going to take off. And so it, it does take some humble pie to get some feedback and hear even some criticism uh, on what you're producing. And then that's how you get better and you make tweaks based on you know, what you are producing and what the market says they like. So there is a little sensitive balance there. Mm-hmm. I love that. And when you're talking about the feedback that you were getting in the case of your app, was it more for, you know, how the app was working and the content inside of the app or what kind of feedback were you seeking from people? It was both. Um, Some of the feedback uh, would come through really like negative reviews on the app store who Mm. people who didn't quite understand the app uh, from that pedagogical standpoint or they'd say this or that. And, you know, people can be really cruel, like if you're looking at Yelp reviews or if you're looking at App Store reviews. And so at first I, it was very jarring, but then you do grow a little bit of a thicker skin and then you go, you know what, if they didn't understand the app, then that means I didn't create it to be clear enough. There's something that I need to do better. So even in the criticism, there's something to be learned from that. And that's the humility portion of it, I think. Just being able to go, okay, well, maybe there's something there that I need to do. I love that. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. It's so easy to see criticism and to get so defensive, but to take criticism as really just information that helps you move forward and maybe even helps you create a better product that would serve more people. I think it, that's such a smart move um, and also keeps you sane, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It keeps you humble. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I, I, I definitely have heard, you know, the fact that you were getting negative reviews is great because that means your app was reaching people, right? And and that's one thing that I, I always am grateful for. Like when I get a, a negative comment on a YouTube video, I'm like, hey, but you know what? People are watching the video. That's great. 
Yeah, and you know, you're never going to be able to please everyone. That's one yeah. thing that I've learned. It's just uh, some people just won't get it. And then you have to learn how to just move on. I mean, you just kind of roll it off your sleeve and, and go, you know, I know what I'm, I'm doing is, is good. It's a good thing. And yeah. you just get on with your life. What else can you do? Yeah. <laughs> and I like what you said about being really convicted and what it is that you are, you know, whatever it is that you're creating. I think that actually sometimes those things go hand in hand because when you're really convicted and you really believe in your product or your idea, then it is going to repel some people. That's actually the nature of a, of a good product or of good marketing is that not every single person in the world is going to be into the idea, but because you believe in it and because you're so convicted in it, you will attract the people that it's meant for. And so I think that's mm -hmm. the other thing to remember there too, is that, you know, the, the negative feedback can be used to help better your product. And then if it can't also, those aren't your people and your people do exist out there. Um, they just need to exactly. It's, I, I totally believe it hundred percent. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to actually build, build the app because, you know, is this something that, you know, you were like programming on a computer or did you work with a team? <laughs> what did that process look like? <laughs> That's a good question. So I kind of liken it to the, the process of, uh, coming out with the first iteration, they call it an MVP, a minimum viable product. And that's kind of how these apps start. You start with an MVP, a very rough prototype of what you're trying to do without pouring, you know, a lot of money, like a ton of money into it. Well, for me, it was a lot because I was pouring in my, uh, my piano teacher income savings. And so that's what went into it as a solo entrepreneur. Um, and so I, I call it like birthing a child because that process took about nine months <laughs> and yeah. And along with those nine months, I mean, it was a lot of planning, a lot of nesting, also a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation, a lot of research. You're just preparing for this thing. And then you go into labor and it was pretty much like that because once this app is out there, you, you just don't know what's gonna happen. Like you don't really know how it's gonna be until it's actually out there in the world. And so I kind of liken it to childbirth, which I've been through twice now, but um, it was, so what I did was I ended up looking around. First of all, I created this visual model of the flow of how the app would go into literally sort of like a Google Slides. And I presented it to a couple of different app development companies and these companies were overseas. And then I finally selected one. And what would be happening is I would be doing my piano teacher thing and the mom thing during the day. And, and then by night I'd go into my closet while my husband was sleeping and I'd be working and uh, messaging with my team overseas. So it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot of work. It was yeah. some sacrifice. And there were definitely some, some little things that some walls that I hit along that process because they didn't know the music behind it. Uh, they're, they're developers and they're coders and they're technical, but they, they're not musical. Right. So then I had to, uh, do this whole other component of educating them on what this app is doing and how we're doing it. So that was a really big challenge at first. Uh, so that we got through that process. So when we did release it, uh, again, I, I just saw some feedback. I saw some a lot of bugs. So we had to do a lot of bug fixing. And as we kind of went on every single time, uh, I'm sort of just like a manic, a, a person who's just like obsessed with 
improvement, whether if it's myself or a thing or, or my environment, I, I don't know why it's just something that's inborn in my personality. And so as I would see something, I'd be like, great, but here are like 10 things that I want to do now. So every time, every little step that I would move forward, I think of 10 more things that I want to do better. And so that was really the process. And sometimes it really did feel like two steps forward, three steps back. And that was sort of the story of the app, honestly. And um, as we went through, then I, you know, I, I realized, okay, I think my time with this group, um, this developer group is, is over. I think I need to find someone who is a better fit for me. So every time I would get closer and closer to what I felt like was a, a great fit. And so I'm really happy to say that now um, there's a person that I, I'm partnered with and he's been great. He even, it's a miracle. He, he's a composer and he also oh. uh, does, uh, you know, iOS programming. And so that was a really big, um, a really big gift to me. And yeah. so it's been a fun ride. Um, I, one of the things that I learned through this process is how important it is to be a good project manager, because there's about five or six components to this thing that are, that have really nothing to do with music or music teaching. It's just really being able to manage projects and there's the design component, they call it the UX, the UI. And then there's just, there's just so many parts to it. And then there's the promotion. So you can even have this wonderful, perfect app, but it won't do anything for you unless you know how to do the marketing. So then yes. I had to put my marketing hat on and, uh, and just, just a lot of research and a lot of making connections and networking, really just connecting with people like you who really get it, you know, and mm -hmm. it's been one of the funnest parts of my journey, honestly, to connect with such amazing people. Yeah. I love that. I think yeah. that's, um, it's so true. I think there is like this common misconception and romanticization about, you know, if I just create this thing, then that will be the hurdle and it's going to solve all of my problems. Like you said, like if I just create this app, then all of a sudden I'm going to have this different income stream. Or if I just release mm -hmm. one course, or maybe I just come up with one group program, but just like with your, our, our private studios, we of course then yeah. have to fill the business with customers. And when it comes to something like an app or a course, those things are so much more scalable because you don't directly have to exchange time for money for every single person that signs up for the app, but you do need yeah. more people, right? And you need a, a constant and consistent stream of people. And that is the a, a big area where I see people get stuck is they kind of think like, I'm going to create this thing. And once it's created, that will be the, that's the mountain I need to climb. But mm -hmm. I found exactly <laughs> what you said to be true, the case where actually it takes a lot of other hats and there's a lot of other little hills you have to climb as well. And Absolutely. I'm with you where it's like, it's fun to always be learning and it's fun to always be growing and always like stretching and figuring out how can I figure out how to wear those hats better? How can I learn how to be a better marketing person? How can I learn how to be a better CEO? You know, all of those things. But I think it's important to, to remember that it's not just the one hat you're wearing. It's not just the music teacher hat. It's not just the app creator hat. You're also marketing. You're also networking. You're also doing all the things. At least. Yeah, I think I, I'm reminded of that famous line in the uh, movie, uh, if you build it, they will come. I think that's like the biggest lie out there, because if you build <laughs> it, 
they won't come unless they know about you. And um, honestly, I found it easier to get referrals in, when I was teaching uh, a greater number of students because mm -hmm. if you do a good job, yeah, they will come because they tell their friends and neighbors. It's a highly relational thing. But when you're doing something that's digital, you have a digital product, it's so crowded out there that you have no choice but to market yourself and to do it well. So in you putting on this marketing hat, what has been either the most helpful thing or some of the most helpful things that you've learned when it comes to marketing your app? Yeah, so that's a great question. Even though what I have is a digital product and it doesn't have my face on it, like I think when you are, you know, like for example, what you do, Ashley, you teach and your face is seen in front of other teachers. I'm sort of behind it all and some people won't even know uh, the face behind it and I'm totally cool with that. But what I did learn is marketing is still a people thing. You have to get gain those relationships and you have to gain trust. And so what I ended up doing was being more active with the piano teaching community, and I would say worldwide, and just really keeping my radar open to uh, people who I would see as like-minded and reaching out to them. And at first, I'm really an introvert by nature. I don't know if it shows today, but I really am an introvert. And, and so it would take me a couple of, you know, uh, just a little bit of bravery to to go okay i'm going to reach out to this this person and if they're not taking to it then i'm okay with that and i had to be okay with that so anyway so i would reach out to people and what i found was teachers are the, the most kindest the most generous bunch and they're so supportive of one another i think what i really appreciate about the the piano teaching uh community is that that there's the notion of competition, it's its not there as heavily as it is in some other industries because there's really space for all of us and, and even more. I mean, there's always people who need and who want uh, to bolster music in their lives or in their students' lives, you know? And so I think there's plenty of space for people. And so what I found was when I would ask them for support or feedback or for testing, I really got a very generous response. And so I would show up to piano teacher conventions, I think I mentioned earlier, where I'd start networking, I'd set up, a, I finally got the guts to set up my own table and would promote the app. I've done that at a couple of different uh, conventions. This was pre-COVID, uh, mm. so I would go there and I was just thrilled because I went there with a little bit of fear and trepidation going, I hope people receive it or, or get what I'm doing. Some, you know, you'd see the Alfred booth or the Faber booth, and then there's like little me. Uh, but it was a really fun time and I really learned a lot by watching people interact with it. And that was one of the strongest ways I think I, I was able to bolster my marketing is just by being a face out there and making yeah. these connections with people who are fairly influential out there in the in the piano teaching world. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think networking can bring up feelings of fear, um, especially if, if someone has a negative association with like sales or with networking. But I think really you hit the nail on the head when you said it's really just all about building relationships and building connections. And I think yeah. that's, um, you know, that's how I think of it too. And even like, if I think back to when I first started my YouTube channel, like you said, when you first started the app and you're like working alone in the closet at night, you know, every <laughs> single person that I saw watched my video. Cause I could see, you know, one person watched it, two people watched it. And I knew half of those were like my mom and my sisters, <laughs> but, but every person I was always creating for like one person and trying to think about how could I make a video that even if one person watched it and one person gained value from this video, it would be worth mm -hmm. it. And I think totally. that 
when you talk about the creative process of like you created this app because you saw a need for it, you you wanted to solve a problem, and and then you really focused on how can I cr- connect with people about it? How can I connect with people? Because the fact of the matter is, yes, there might be some teachers out there that aren't going to use apps or that maybe don't like teaching with apps and that's fine. But there are so many teachers that are looking for those tools. And for the listeners, if if you have an idea, it's, it's not just that you have an idea and you want to sell your idea. There's also the whole other half of that relationship, which is that there are people looking for your solution. There are people that you could genuinely help and, and whose lives you could make better. And I think it's easy to get stuck in the mindset of like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to network or I don't want to sell because I don't want to come off as salesy or I don't want to, you know, be promoting my thing or it feels scary, but that leaves that kind of takes the decision away from other people on like whether or not they, they will find value in what you're creating. And I think with the size of the world, you know, there are people that are going to find value in everything. And so I just Mm -hmm. love that you touched on that because networking can be, it can feel scary, but I would encourage Mm -hmm. everybody to do it because like you said, it's so powerful. And if you focus on not sales, not networking, but just focus on building relationships with people, person to person, focus on connecting with other people that have similar beliefs about sight reading or teach their studios mm-hmm. in similar ways to the way that you do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that can really be a huge key for success if you have that consistency there. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, you know, I want to touch back on something that you mentioned, um, you know, teachers who sometimes the objections I would hear are teachers who are more traditional uh, or they're from the older generation saying, oh, well, I don't use apps, you know, and they kind of cancel you right away. But, you know, what I did find is sometimes if you just have a second with them to explain what, what you're doing, sometimes they, they would change their minds about it. They go, Oh, and what, what happens is that once you present your product, some, some of them would realize, wow, I, this is something that I didn't know I needed. Uh, so there was a hole or a missing component in, in their, in their teaching tools set up and, you know, they've been doing things the same way for 20, 30, 40 years. And, and then you present this to them and they realize, wow, you know, this is a new generation of students and I've been doing it the same way. And so you just start kind of opening up little possibilities in their mind and, you know, the rule of sales, right? Sometimes things take multiple, uh, multiple times of like catching wind. And that's kind of what would happen to a lot of teachers who never used technology before in lessons. And in fact, I was one of them. I, I consider myself a more kind of a low tech person, to be honest. I know it sounds a little ironic because I have a tech product, but I just always believed in, you know, it's just me and the student, we're using the paper books. I don't wanna, you know, muddle it with all this technology stuff. But, you know, I realized, I think there are teachers who really benefit from this and there's a multiplication impact to it because if you are able to uh, sort of open that teacher's mind to, to using this thing, then you're, that one teacher then is teaching 20, 30, 40 students. So the impact is a lot greater than even just that one person because it gets passed right. on to many. And some students, that's like the best part of their day, maybe, you know, you never know. Totally. And I mean, you genuinely can be like, if you think about how many people are using your app, like you're literally changing lives because even, even if it was one person, but I know it's more than that. Even if, you know, the people that are sitting there that are really sitting in pain of like, I can't sight read, I can't get beyond like looking at one note and recognizing one note, like you can literally be changing lives. And that is so powerful and so impactful. And I also loved what you just said about 
oh, what was it that you were just talking about right before you said that? There were so many good little little nuggets in there. <laughs> but, oh, about being a low-tech person and having created an app. Because I think, I mean, even in our meeting, we've talked a little bit, but I, I would have thought that you were a much techier person. And I know <laughs> I get comments like that all the time of like, well, you know how to do, you know, you know how to record a podcast. You know how to record YouTube videos and edit them. I never taught an online lesson until 2020. I had never used iMovie or any sort of video. I wasn't on Instagram. I was not a social media person. And I think that just speaks to the fact that, you know, we limit ourselves in our beliefs yeah. about ourselves. I always thought I wasn't a techie person. I never wanted to do online because I didn't know if it would be as effective. I didn't know if I could handle the technology, like the technological aspect of it. But I think when we open our minds, in my case, like a pandemic forced me to yeah, <laughs> case, me too. Go down this path of creating an app. Yeah. Then you really see what you're capable of and, and your, your belief in yourself grows. And that of course is helpful in networking and, and marketing and all of that as well. I totally agree, Ashley. I think it's a matter of openness. If you're open to things that really paves the way to more possibilities of success. Uh, it, that's opposed to if you're more closed minded, if you're just like, I'm going to do things the way I've always done it then you're going to be stuck there. And so I think yeah. that's the reality. Okay. That leads me to a question. Cause I love this topic so much. So I talk a lot about how, when you are going, like when you have an, an idea of like a future version of yourself, that let's say this future version of you, when you were in the past has an app and you knew you could see this app, you knew you could eventually get there. What were the new ideas that you had to adopt about yourself in order to get yourself where you were trying to go? One of them you just mentioned was like, you know, you had to get a little more comfortable being a techie person because you didn't consider yourself a techie person, but I'm sure there are mm -hmm. many technological things you had to learn along the way. You have yeah. all this vocabulary, this whole language you speak now. What were some of the other beliefs you had to change about yourself in order to get where you are now? I, I think, I don't know if it would be so much uh, changing beliefs about myself. I think there were things that are that were dormant, but they were there. Mm -hmm. I just, I think that it just took some courage to get those things out. I think knowing that I was always an improver. I, I like to improve things. Um, I think that's why I'm a teacher. Um, and just taking that kind of core skill or that core bent and, and using it towards this other very unexpected project. I think that that's the other thing. I, I think when I was younger or when I was in music school, I, I dabbled with composing, but I really not, didn't go very far with that. But that was one of the other golden gems of this app is when once pandemic hit, um, I will say that there's a whole new section in the app that's focused on the site reading portion of it. The app really started with the game drills portion, which is the single note or uh, interval recognition with the pitch detection. This whole new section is just based on uh, site reading. There were, you know, there are eight bar site reading uh, excerpts all over. There's 400 of them uh, exercises in there. And I just thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? And so what did I do? I started putting on my composer hat and I composed all these exercises. I also compiled music from, from the music that I had. I, there's Bach in there. There's, there's Cherony in there. There's, um, folk music in there. There's music from all parts of the world. And I just really wanted to make it a diverse selection. And so that was a fun part of kind of being my own little music librarian, but also using composing skills with the mindset of how, how would this be helpful in a sight reading app? 
you know, that I have to think about, okay, we need a more variety of keys or we need a um, maybe a variety of different rhythms or patterns. And so incorporating all that, it, it, it takes a lot of just thoughtfulness and I think creativity. And so I really, I think, yeah, instead of like really changing my mindset, I think it was just giving myself permission to do the things that I maybe thought I could do, but just really releasing that into a, a bigger way. I, I, I don't know if that answers your question. It totally does. It, it really does. And I actually, I love the shift you took there too, of it's not necessarily that you had to change beliefs about yourself. It's that you had to really allow that permission to be there or like kind of let those parts of yourself come out. Um, I think that's so beautiful. I've, I, I have had the feeling myself and I know I've had clients that have literally said to me on a call, like, I have this idea. I don't know why I feel like I need permission to do it. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I love that you gave yourself that permission to really just explore that it's you've, you've given us so many good pieces of information. And I think my big takeaways from our conversation are one, it's not going to be a perfect process where, you know, you put one foot out in front of the other, and then you end up at a destination, right? It's a journey. It's a process. And there's going to be times where it feels easier. There's going to be times where it feels more difficult. Um, and allowing yourself to experiment with those parts of yourself and maybe shining more lights on those parts of yourself that already exist, but that maybe you're not shining a lot of light on right now is, is how you've come to be where you are now. And I just, I think all of the listeners can take that information and, and go inward a little bit and ask themselves, you know, what are the parts of myself that I want to shine more light on? And also how could I continue towards the path or, or on the path towards what I want, even if it gets hard, even if it, mm -hmm. even on the days, you know, when I get those bad reviews and things like that. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, so I have one last question for you before we close up. So I'm curious if you, you know, most of the listeners of the Prosperous Piano Teacher are piano teachers that do have these bigger ideas and that, you know, they want to, to scale and they want to grow their businesses. If you had like one piece of advice, I know you've already given so many, but one last piece <laughs> of advice or one last, you know, thing you wanted them to know as they embarked on that journey, what would it be? I, I think um, I, some people might say something like, once you have a dream, just go for it and don't look back. And it's, it sounds very romantic, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, don't even think about all the naysayers, but just, you know, go forward with your dreams. But I have a little bit of a more, I think, a realistic approach. I think, I think you should absolutely, if you have a conviction, if you have a passion that you have something that, that the world needs, put it out there. Um, but there's also wisdom in, uh, you know, getting resources and asking people what they think and testing it out. Um, then, you know, what you end up doing is you don't have to necessarily risk your whole life in that endeavor. Yeah. You know, as you go along, there's nothing wrong with going slow. And I think mm -hmm. that's the, my main bit of advice is that don't feel like you have to do this overnight. Uh, mine was not overnight at all by any yeah. means. Uh, I think you can just take it step by step. And at every step, you know, really be a student of what you're doing and see if it's taking. And if it's not, don't be afraid to change path a little bit. And maybe at the end, your product might not even end up being what you thought it was going to be in the beginning. It might look different, yeah. right? And so it's really, it's so... Um, kind of unpredictable, but that that's kind of the, the fun of the journey. And I think you also have to be open to that. You know, you can't just be stuck on what, this is exactly what I set out to do. So it's got to look like this. It's, you're going to have to kind of a little, be a little moldable to, to what the forces out there are saying they need, you know? 
Yes. So that is so good. And I think if you can do that, I think oftentimes you end up with something even better than you could have imagined because nothing yeah. that I've ever created was perfect in the first iteration. Nothing. <laughs> it always yeah. ends up being different in so many ways. And I don't really ever think, I mean, I think it's just like learning a big, huge advanced piece. I don't think there's ever really a completed project. Like you might get something audition ready. You might get something competition ready, but you for the rest of your life could go back and continue to you know, deepen your relationship with it and it would morph and it would change and it would grow. And I think that that's the way you just described it of letting it be a little slower and taking people's feedback. And it also allows for that imperfection, which I think makes yeah. it so much more realistic for people that have a life and, and have, you know, a studio and also families and things like that to actually embark upon creating something is if it can be a little more realistic in the way you just described. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would also just add kind of you're alluding to it, but you know, when you have a situation, all of our situations look different. You know, some of us have families, some of us are, this is a dual career with something else. I mean, it looks different. I think you just have to make it right for you and you shouldn't sacrifice your health and your wellness for the sake of this one thing. I think you got to really be factoring all those things in um, just because I don't think any business endeavor is really worth uh, risking your relationships or your wellness. I think all that stuff really matters, your self-care. Uh, that's one thing that we normally don't talk about when we're talking about scaling a business, but I think it's really important and it's going to make you healthier and happier along the way, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so much good stuff here, Grace. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about um, how people can get your app. And, and then also, um, if I know we don't totally, I'll be honest with all the listeners, we don't totally know what the promotion is going to look like. Grace has a couple of ideas, but I know she wants to do something really special for you all. Um, and so by the time this episode is released, we'll have it, we'll have a link for you in the show notes, excuse me, that's going to be something really awesome. But tell us a little bit about what that could look like and then how people can get in touch with you. So how we can get your app and also how we can get in touch with you. Okay. Uh, first of all, I think the easiest way to kind of get a handle on what the app does and what it might look like is go to my website. Uh, it's called uh, notequest.net. And if you go on there, you'll see uh, some preview screens of what it looks like, a description and sort of like what what the values are behind the app. And I think you'll get a, a decent idea of it. Um, and from there, you can actually download it as well. So the app has two separate sections. I just wanted to clarify for your listeners. The first section is the gamified portion with, uh, it's called Game Drills. It has single note and double note interval recognition built into it. It scores you, it times you. It's really fun and you can choose you know, your themes behind it. We just released the Halloween theme. Uh, anyway, so there's that. And then the second section I was referring to earlier is the sight reading section. It is not gamified. So if you're looking for it to hear you play, it's not that way. However, it does have very ed educational component to it. You it has a little listen back button. So after every excerpt, you just press this button and it plays back the excerpt in the correct form. So you're, so you or your students are really using your ears. So it's kind of a form of ear training to see if I did it right or not. And this is one thing it has a leg up on oversight reading books or flashcards that you take home because those don't have that capability. So when your students practice sight reading at home, who knows how they're doing it? You know, there's not really a supervisor checking them, right? And that's the yeah. beauty of the app. They're really becoming more self-sufficient learners. And 
I think as teachers, that's what we want, right? We want our students to become more self-sufficient because that makes happier students and and growing musicians because uh, you don't want them to lean on you for life. <laughs> so right. anyway, um, I've kind of digressed a little bit, but anyway, so those are the two sections. Um, and what we're probably going to offer is uh, a discount on the uh, the sight reading section. And so just look for it in uh, Ashley's, uh, I guess, her newsletter or her post that comes out later. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes of this episode. Okay. And that way it'll Perfect. link directly to that discount. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. And then if somebody wants to get in touch with you, um, is there a way that, that would be best for you? Oh, there's two different ways I think that are great. Uh, look me up on Instagram. It's NoteQuest. That's the Instagram handle. You can DM me there. Uh, also, make sure you you know follow the uh, the site. Also, you could go to my website, notequest.net, and you can uh, just do the contact me from there, and it'll send me a, an email. And I'm usually pretty quick with responses, so... Uh, I'll, I'm happy to hear from any of you guys. Awesome. And I will make sure to link um, your website and also your Instagram handle in the show notes. And then also, of course, the link to the discount for those that want to test out the app. Um, I would highly recommend it. I, I have gone in a few months ago when Grace and I first met and then also recently and fiddled around a little bit. And it's just it's really, really cool. Um, so I can't wait for all of you to see it. Grace, thank you so much for being with us here today. It was so cool to hear more about your story um, and to hear so many of the just golden nuggets of wisdom that you shared with us. I really appreciate you taking the time and I can't wait to uh, keep connecting with you outside the podcast as well. Ashley, it's been so fun to get to know you and uh, hats off to everything that you're doing. I think uh, I see your content and I see what you're doing. I think it's fabulous. And so... More power thank to you. you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. And for listeners, thank you so much for being here with us today. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Have a great rest of your week. Bye-bye. Hey there. Thank you for being here. I love connecting with you every single week. And one of my favorite parts of connecting with you is actually getting to know you. I created a free community for business-minded piano teachers to come together every single week, connect and learn even more tangible strategies for business streamlining and scaling. You can join using the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to get to know you.